Hi, everybody. Welcome to Talking Automotive with Mark and John. My name is John Sinclair and my co-host, Mark Pellavestra. In a previous podcast, we spoke about the importance of defining your prime marketing area. Your marketing area is where you have the greatest influence and the ability to attract customers to your dealership. Taking into account that most customers will only travel between 15 and 20 minutes for a service and around 30 to 35 minutes to purchase a vehicle. But once you start to map it out and understand that area, it gives you a better idea of where your marketing dollars can be best spent. So today we're going to look a little bit deeper into that of what type of marketing you can do in your area and the type of things you can be considering in putting a whole marketing plan together. With 30 years experience in auto logistics and state-of-the-art locations in five major Australian cities, Precar Fleet Services is an independent division of Precar Services, offering specialty fleet fit-outs for commercial applications ranging from simple tray and tow bar fitments to fully bespoke service body and accessory installation. With quality-assured safety, compliance and standardisation of vehicle builds, Precar Fleet Services are a premier all-in-one solutions provider for commercial vehicle fleet operators, leasing companies, and original equipment manufacturers. For further information on how Precar Fleet Services can assist in solving your commercial vehicle fit-out needs, please visit precar.com.au and click on the link to Fleet Services. Tell us about digital marketing. The important thing to understand first is what your market is and where you can successfully market to. Because if you're taking on digital marketing and you're trying to market to the whole of, uh, for instance, Melbourne, but you're going to have difficulty in attracting customers to your dealership, you can waste a lot of money in marketing. So your marketing isn't that effective. So what you need to do is firstly find out what is your PMA and where can you successfully attract customers to your dealership. That's your geographic area. What marketing you can do in that particular area. It doesn't matter what social media platform you're using, but those are the postal codes and the areas you need to focus on. Because if you're going out that area, your marketing is going to be inefficient and and you're not going to be successful in getting people to come to your dealership. Uh, So, John, from a market segmentation perspective, is it a different game plan with your social media and your advertising based on the sales channel? I think you need to have a very good understanding of who you're trying to target and where you're targeting. And then from there, use the appropriate social media channel to target those customers. Because if you're targeting a younger age group, you're going to use different social media channels to if you're targeting an older age group. So it depends on the brand you've got, what vehicle you're trying to market, where you're trying to market, and what offering you've got to market with. So I think it very much depends on the brand the product and this target segment that that you're trying to penetrate. But I think, Mark, the first step with marketing and with any business, it's a long-term relationship. So you need to be engaging and communicating with your your customers in various ways. If you continue only reaching out to them when you want to sell them something, I think you then have difficulty building that trust and that empathy with those, those customers. So... Social media is a great tool for engaging and talking and communicating with your customers, but you need to be sincere about it and you need to do it contributing to what they're doing in the market or the community and helping them. Because if it's a two-way relationship and 
and a two-way process, that's when you start to, to develop trust. Because because you have to remember what happens is people will drive up and down past your business or your dealership every day, and they see the business and, and dealership, but they have no way to connect who is running that business or who owns it. But if you start to connect with them through social media, so you start sharing the results of the local hockey club or the local football club, or uh, there's a local charity you get involved in supporting that charity, then people start to relate all those activity in your community and in your PMA to your dealership. So it reinforces and it starts to build the trust that if they need to do something or buy a car, they'll then come into that business or that dealership. So it's a long-term process. Very successful dealers that I've seen, the owner of the business is also involved. They get involved in, in various community efforts. Also. So they're seen around everywhere and people continue seeing them. So they build a lot of trust with the people in the, in the community. So when people want to then buy a car, they feel they need to go to that car because they know him. They actually feel embarrassed not to go to because he's such an integral part of the community. The challenge in a city is a lot more people there, so it's a lot more harder to do it. So you have to put more effort. So that's why when you're identifying the social media and where you want to market, it's so important to work out and what area can you attract customers. Because you can be doing across Facebook, okay, you'll get in front of 30,000 people. But if those people live an hour away from your dealership and have to drive past 15 or 20 competitors to get you, they're just not going to do it. As much as you wish they would, they won't. But if you know in your drive time, those people you, you can pull to your dealership. So put all your effort in that area. So you might have to use Instagram, you might have to use Facebook, you might have to use LinkedIn. You know, you can purchase lists of all the businesses in your area. And then you go through that. Sometimes it's not easy to identify who the customers are, but you start to identify who the tradesmen are, who the plumbers, who the electricians, and then you start to categorize those and load all those people into your DMA system so that you can start to target those at the right time. A couple of key points that I made with that conversation that you've uh, that you've just had and those points that you raised, and this is where there's a trap that a lot of organisations fall into with social media is this: uh, they've got lots of friends or lots of followers on social media, and it ticks the. If you're just looking at how many clicks and KPI, the real measure is exactly what you're saying. It's in the storytelling. It's in engaging with your audience as opposed to just having an audience. It's okay, great, I've got this many followers on LinkedIn, but what's that interaction like? What what are the views of your posts like? And then what are the comments that you can and and what are the and are people resharing it? It's telling that story about the brand that is the business. It's it's about the testimonials that you get. It's about the that obligation that you build through the interactions with these people. It's the messaging that you do via social media. It's funny, email has become work for most people. And it's, oh, do I really need to check my emails? Texts are still seen as fun. Although it's starting to creep, there's starting to be uh, spam texts starting to creep in, but retailers are finding it that's the most effective way to reach through to someone. Sending out an EDM is not that effective because it's just too easy to delete it. Whereas for some reason, when we get a text, we still look at it. But then there's the social media messaging. So if there is something coming through, because we all live on social media, we want to be connected with our community, with our friends. We want to be kept informed as to what's happening. And we're not, we, but very much, 
and it goes back to what George Norris was talking about in his podcast with us. It gets back to what's in it for me? Why should I read your email? Why should I read your text? If you're, if it's only to benefit you, I really don't want to see that and I'll get annoyed by it. But if you're providing something to me of value that's going to help me, then I will have a look at it. And it also flows into this building obligation. And Peter talked about that uh, with this uh, concept of reciprocity. If I give you something, there is, and it's a human uh, human response, of if someone gives you something, there's the obligation that you should give something back. So, And this is why the very clever operatives who, you know, who are service providers, say in restaurants, as they give you the bill, they give you some mints. So they give you, you get a free mint. You've just had this amazing meal and then you get a free mint thrown in. It's almost building the obligation that, well, wow, I got something for nothing. I really should give a tip to this individual. And then if the individual gives an additional mint, they come back and say, just because you guys have been so fantastic, here's an extra mint, increases the obligation of how much of a tip that you should leave for that in, for that service provider. It's odd. There is data to support that is actually what happened and the whole concept of reciprocity. So if you have an, an engaging relationship with your customer base and prospect base, the chances of that reciprocation increase exponentially. So this is the question. So who do we do business with? What's our sales history? So what are we good at? And where do our customers hang out? So what, what, what sort of things appeal to them? And what do they look like? So just get an understanding of who they are, what do they look like, and what do they do, and where are they located? It's interesting. I, uh, today I was driving around an industrial park in, in southeastern Melbourne, and it was amazing going through just that one industrial park and just noting the businesses in that area and the, the I suppose, the commonality between what those businesses did and the services and the type of products that they need to conduct their business, even though those businesses fundamentally did different things. But there were common there were common threads that went through that that made that PMA a very exciting one. And when I looked at it and summarised it as far as well, what do they do? There's a mixture of large large organisations, multinationals, SMEs, local manufacturers, local importers, and distributors but they all have the same fundamental need for mobility. So what and how do you actually tap into that? And who's the person that you need to engage with? Because in each business, there's a different person. There is not just a procurement person who buys vehicles only in each business. Some organisations with large fleets do have that person, but in many cases, it's, it's spread across a number of different people. So it's not an easy cookie cutter, just here's a list, bang, away we go. It actually takes time to start with that list because you always start with a list and then you work down from that. So that's the, they're the challenges that, yeah, that everyone has to deal with if you want to go down this road and do it right. And it does take time and it takes time and it takes investment. It's like a gym membership. You sign up, you may get the list, but if you have a list and don't do anything with it, well, then you're not going to achieve your objective of of whatever you want to achieve with your gym membership or with that list from a sales perspective. So it's a matter of start with a list and then work. The next phase is have a plan as to what's the communication plan. And the third one is persistence and incrementality. 
it's that whole repeat, repeat, persistence, persist, persist, persist. And uh, and I'll do a shout out to uh, an organisation that we've done business in, in, in previous lives, an organisation called Eagle Manners. And uh, Eagle Manners have a fantastic measure of persistence and incrementality and can track how many contacts it takes to actually sell a vehicle. Now, we all would love the person who contacts us and bang, buy something immediately. But the reality is there's a number of touch points and even a lot of touch points that aren't recorded before the final decision to purchase is made. And then even after purchase, it's the follow-up as to what's going on with that purchase and am I happy with that that particular product? Because far too often uh, products are purchased but then there's no follow-up afterwards. So great, it was was one thing to get the order, the delivery is crappy. And then afterwards, the, the, there's a disingenuine follow-up to say, hey, are you okay? Can you please make sure you give me a good reference? It gets back to what you're saying before, John, about if I am genuinely interested in the well-being of that individual and genuinely interested and that communi- in my communication, I approach that communication with that genuine interest, I will win in some way, shape or form. As opposed to if I contact that person with a view for them to give me a good Google rating or give me a good CSI score without being genuinely interested in that person and are they happy with their purchase and their purchase experience, just coaching them to get a good result is really detrimental to my business. Getting the sale is important. The CSI result is equally as important because it's the referral business that you'll get from that. But it gets back once again to this whole concept of being genuine in the soft skills that George Norris talked about with the emotional intelligence because people do business with people they like and people remember how what the, how they feel about something as opposed to what necessarily was said. Now, I think, Mark, you make a very good point there. That's why I think stepping back to understand what is the obligation of the manufacturer and what is your obli- obligation as a dealer? Because manufacturer or distributor, their obligation is, is around product, getting the right product at the right price at the right, right specification. They're responsible for developing and building the brand. So they take the, all that high-level responsibility. But what you need to do as a dealer, you need to, as you were saying now, is provide that service and that convenience to, to the customer and the expertise. When you look at just summarizing that, John, so the manufacturer's responsibility is for product and price, the brand, establishing and growing that brand, and the high-level awareness advertising and messaging around the vehicle. So it's very much, here's a product, it's available. Then you have the next level down, which is the collective group, of the regional advertising, which is so you've got the brand saying buy 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 a brand X, buy a widget, and then the next level down is buy a widget now. So that's the retail call to action advertising and messaging. So it has to be that alignment between the two. But then the third level is buy that widget from me now. So that's the next bit. So but then the question then has to be asked: Well, why should I buy it from you? No, that's exactly, Mark. That's putting that whole convenience and service and everything in that package that they now need to come to the dealer and get whatever the product is at that time. Now, when deciding a marketing advertising plan is... So the important part of dealer responsibility is you need to create credibility. You need to create visibility, both for your dealership and the product. And you need to raise the dealership profile in your community. As a dealer, 
you need to provide solutions. Through providing these solutions, you create trust with a customer. So you need to make sure that you have a customer-centric deal environment and you're doing business on the customer terms. The closer you can get to providing the correct business solutions, which appeal to the customer and add value to the customer, the more successful you will be. In developing trust, it's critical to identify value propositions that appeal to the customer and that you can effectively communicate what these value propositions are. Is understanding who are your competitors because all this will influence how effective your marketing is going to be and what type of marketing activities you want to partake. Or the second part is actual community. Who is a community? They could be local sports club. They could be community interest groups. It can be local schools. What sponsorship opportunities are there? Local success stories and influences. What associations are there? And what voluntary organizations are there? By putting this all into the melting pot and going through it creates a great opportunity for identifying ideas and activities that can be included into the, into the marketing plan. Just to start creating stories in your environment. And you can break it down into three areas. The stories about the client, stories about your company, and stories about the community. And all those integrate and they create the central part and that has been trust. So for your client, you need to be sharing their stories, providing solutions, seeing what local business support you can, can support them with, and what interests them and where do they hang out. By being able to know what they do and where they do it, that brings opportunities of where you want to market. And then about your company, your dealership. What is the story of your business? Many of you have tremendous histories and you may be second, third, fourth generation. These are stories you want to share with your community and let people know about it. That builds trust. It's a family business. These are people who've been around a long time. You need to understand why people buy, what reason they're buying, and then share those stories with other clients who may be in the market for similar type of products. How do you resolve problems? There are many instances where you change adversity into a positive. So someone might have a problem. It's not issue about having the problem. It's about how you tackle the problem and how you support them to resolve that problem. You need to be available on the various channels so that if people do have questions, you can quickly and easily answer them. Having people in your organization who've worked there for many years is a tremendous asset. And you need to be sharing these stories about those people. A sales consultant who's been around seven or 10 years, you can imagine if you're a customer and you come in to buy a vehicle and you can come back and purchase your replacement vehicle from that same person who sold it to you in the first instance. That is so much more trustworthy than coming back in and you don't know any of the sales staff. And then humanize the business. Put a face to it. The third part is the community. I mentioned previously identifying who that community is. The second part is to see where are they located? What community support can you provide? So everything we've spoken about so far is desktop analysis. And it takes time and it takes effort. And then taking this data and loading it into your CRM tool. So from the desktop analysis, you can then sit down and start to understand the opportunity and start preparing your marketing plan. There's the credibility and the visibility and the profile. 
So you need to work on all three. So you want to then start to do your social media delivery. And so there's your client, what their interests are and, and involvement. Your company is your story and your community is their story. And by putting that all together in a pot and communicating all these different things, that creates the trust and that helps you drive your business. So today we have covered a quite a big range of activities that you can do from a marketing point of view to improve the effectiveness of your marketing spend. Have a plan and do the desktop research before you jump in and start spending money. Just spending money on getting in front of large numbers of customers doesn't necessarily give you effective marketing. And much of that marketing spend could be wasted if you're not getting it in front of the right people who you can influence and get to come to your dealership. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. We've got some great ideas that we shared with you and uh, we trust that was some value to you. If you like what you saw and heard, please like us, ring the bell below and like us on LinkedIn and on YouTube and also follow us on our website.